everyone. Uh, my name is Dalia Alshimi. I am a senior staff product researcher at Shopify based out of Berlin. I'm really excited today to be talking to Holly Fortier, who is one of our recruitment leads here at Shopify. How's it going, Holly? Hi, it's going great. Thanks. How are you doing? Good, thank you. It's exciting today that as part of the series of podcasts, we get to talk to someone uh, from the talent team. I think traditionally we've been talking to folks who are within the UX team, but I'm sure that a lot of people have questions about what it's like to get a role in UX, what it's like to interview, and what it's like to be a UXer at Shopify. So really grateful to have you here today to chat with me through some of these topics. But before we get to that, um, I was hoping you could tell me a little bit about yourself. So you've been at Shopify for a while. Uh, so maybe if you could walk me through how you ended up at Shopify and maybe how you found yourself doing work as a recruiter in the first place. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I've been here for about three and a half years now, which feels crazy. I kind of said that out loud the other day and realized how, how long it's been. So yeah, it's, it's been fantastic. I started in the Ottawa office and, and relocated to Ottawa for the role. And that was just such a fantastic experience getting to work in the headquarters and, and one of our largest offices at the time and started off as an individual contributor recruiter. And because Ottawa was one of the biggest offices, our TA team was really, and by TA, I mean talent acquisition, we were really able to, to specialize and focus on different areas. So in some of our smaller offices, a recruiter might work on everything from engineering to UX to product to internal operations roles, but because we had so many to, to execute on at the time, myself and a couple other recruiters got to do uh, solely UX hiring. So that's how I kind of happened to land in, in recruiting for UX at Shopify. And then since then, we've kind of restructured the way that we operate and we've created these discipline-centric hiring teams. And so when the opportunity came up to, to lead our UX hiring team, I, I was fortunate enough to, to land it. And since then, for about the past uh, year and a half or so, I've been leading a team of recruiters really responsible for partnering very closely with our UX team to be developing the processes by which we're going to attract and assess and hire folks to all of our UX disciplines and then as well, actually execute on all of the hiring that we need to do specifically for our, for our America's based roles. So it's been a, a wild ride so far and I've really enjoyed it. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. So when your team decided to specialize in recruiting these different functions, uh, you ending up in UX, was that something by choice or by design? Uh, was that something that you were particularly interested in and had experience in? Or was it simply the area that was handed to you and then you sort of had to figure out what that meant? Yeah. So at first it was, it was totally by chance. It was just, we need some people to, to recruit for UX. And so here you go. And then along the way, I really just found it incredibly interesting. Like the folks that you get to talk to are creative and, and interesting. And through our interview process, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later, we really have the opportunity just to learn all about them and, and the work that they do and, and why they're doing it. And so I, I really just loved getting to focus in this area. And so after that, it was kind of a conscious choice to say, I'm really enjoying this and I'd really love to, to stay in this area. That's great. How do you feel that recruiting for UX roles uh, might be a little bit different uh, from recruiting from some of the other roles, perhaps the other biggest one being engineering, which is quite a bulk of uh, the workforce at Shopify. So um, what does the experience of looking for UX folks look like compared to, for example, looking for um, engineers or people with different types of skills? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I would say fundamentally, we have the same core principles and the same kind of core idea going into it. So especially now that we are digital by default or remote, it's remote first. It's opened up the talent pool for for where we can chat to people, which has been really incredible. So prior to that, it was all about reaching out to people all around the world and saying, do you want to relocate to Canada (laughs) primarily? And a lot of people couldn't or maybe just wouldn't want to to consider that relocation. So UX and our other areas like engineering now really just have the opportunity to to speak with people all over the world uh, and hire them in, which is really great. And we also kind of all follow this core principle of we're really focused on the candidate experience. So we want people just to feel comfortable and relaxed when they're chatting to us. And really our process is designed around setting them best up for success to showcase their skills to us. And we want to give them the the best possible chance to do that. Um, And at the same time, recognizing that it's a two-way street. So as much as we're choosing people, people are choosing to spend most of their waking hours in a day um, with us. So some of those core principles are still the same. And I would say the core interview processes look the same. The the bits that are obviously tailored to each discipline would be obviously the, the types of interviews that, that we're doing. So in UX, we have all kinds of different paired exercises to do with problem solving or kind of like challenges. And so again, that, that kind of, yeah, would be kind of be different between the two. I don't know if that's a great answer. They're both kind of similar, actually. No, that makes a lot of sense. I'm um, actually curious to like, yeah, talk even the differences within UX. So UX mm-hmm. and Shopify encompasses design, research, well, I should specify now, product design and content design uh, mm-hmm. and research uh, and formerly well UX development function. So were you looking at all four of these different disciplines at some point within your role as a UX recruitment lead? Yeah, absolutely. So last year, we were responsible for for all four of those disciplines, and then really discovered along the way that the way we were assessing UX developers was quite similar to the way that engineering was assessing their web devs. And so made the call that we could really leverage kind of the massive machine that is our engineering hiring team and, and all of the scalability and the process that they have by moving that kind of over into that area. So they took that on last year. And so now our our focus is primarily on product design, content design, and research. And so within these, what does the interviewing process looks like for someone who might be interested in any of those three roles? Yeah, definitely. So there's a couple of different ways into the process. So either a candidate applies, someone at Shopify refers them, or we've actively reached out to to source someone who we think would be a great fit for a role. But from there, the first step is is all always the same, which is a short call with the recruiter. And really in that conversation, we're focused on learning about their technical skills, their, their experience, and their areas of interest. And it's also a great chance for the recruiter to be answering any questions that the candidate might have about Shopify, about the team that we're talking about, or about the discipline of UX. And then from there, we move on to our our second uh, round of conversations. And and usually these are two paired conversations that exist back to back. And so the first one is our life story interview, which is something unique to to Shopify. And it's a one hour interview with with one of our recruiters. And uh, it's not a traditional interview. and, And as I mentioned before, really the goal of it is to have a genuine two-way conversation to understand the experiences that someone has had, both work experiences and life experiences that have gotten them to where they are today. 
So we're really looking to, to get to know the person that we're talking to. And through that interview, we're looking for specific qualities around self-awareness, indications of impact and engagement in people's past roles, if their skills and experience are aligned to what we're looking for in this opportunity, and really those kind of non-tangible skills that will kind of predict if we think someone's going to be successful with Shopify. So we do that interview, and then usually that's paired with our first technical interview, and that differs depending on, on the UX discipline. So really that's a, a first opportunity for a candidate to be able to showcase their skills either in design, product or content, or research with someone in the discipline on that team, and to dive into kind of those good meaty details about the craft and, and learn about how we do it here and understand kind of what their experience has been in it so far. And then after that, we move to our final step, which is our shortlist. And so usually this is about three to four hours of interviews with the team, both a mix of kind of conversational chats for us to tell the candidate about where the team's going, kind of what the plans are for it, a chance for them to meet who would be their lead at Shopify uh, and a couple of technical interviews as well so that we can truly kind of understand that person and their skills because we want to make the, the call on where they can have the most impact at Shopify. So we really want to get an understanding of where their strengths lie so we can make that match to a team here where they can really come in and, and make a great impact. And again, more of a chance for someone to learn about us and, and see the way we do things here and see if this is where they want to do their work. One of the interviews that I'm actually curious to chat with you a bit more about is the case studies, which at least from my experience, doing them for research, I think is something that's pretty unique. So for research, when we do a case study, we usually have uh, two people involved in the interview alongside the candidate, one of whom we refer to as the case study lead, and the other one is the case study participant. Uh, mm -hmm. The case study lead prepares a case study ahead of time uh, that we usually try to tailor uh, to each candidate and to each interview, depending on uh, the specific skills that we want to assess. And then they present the case study to the participant who is a Shopify employee and the candidate, the Shopify employee who's the participant has also never seen the case study before. And then it becomes an opportunity for the two of them to sort of work on the case study, tease out the research questions, figure out what the approach is, and then present what they came up with together at the end to the case study lead, who's the person who wrote the case study in the first place. And one of the things that I find really fascinating about this interview format is there's really no right or wrong answer. I think sometimes people go into it with the idea that they need to crack the case in some ways, but as a person who's led these and has read the case studies, I don't even really know what the answer is. I don't have a specific answer in mind. I think there's a lot of different ways to approach it. Uh, so what we're really looking for is how folks approach the case study, what kind of questions they come up with, what kind of questions they ask, how they scope the research questions but also the extent to which they're able to collaborate with the other participant who's the Shopify employee, because it's really the closest thing we get to knowing what it's like to work with that person and the extent to which they're able to bring someone along in their process. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious, how does that translate to the other disciplines within UX? Because I know that design also does their case study, our product design does their case study. I'm not entirely sure what a kind of similar process there is for content design. So curious if you can tell me a little bit about perhaps some of these specific types of interviews or nuances that might be different from one discipline to the next. Yeah, absolutely. 
for each one, we're looking to do kind of exactly what you mentioned and really give the, the candidate an opportunity to, to show us their skills. And, and as you said, there aren't any gotchas. It's not like we're sitting there with a checkboard kind of making sure that people have, have said things to us or have said the right answer. It's really just about how they kind of tackle this problem with someone on our team. So for product design, we have what we call our problem-solving duet. And really, this is similar in the sense that it's an opportunity to work very closely with a designer on our team. And at the beginning of, of the interview, the interviewer would present the, the candidate with a interaction design problem. And they set it up like, over the next hour, we're going to work together to design this thing. And these are the things it needs to do. And, and I'm here to work with you and like, let's, let's tackle it. And so it's more of a, of a whiteboarding exercise. Uh, and they spend that time kind of working, working together to design, to design this thing together that they've been asked to do. So that's what it looks like on, on product design. For content design, we do something similar. So they work through a, a content exercise that's also kind of set up as that pairing. So at the beginning of the interview, the interviewer would present them with a, a piece of content that exists for, for one of our products. And they'd work together through the hour to kind of be critiquing what exists, coming up with solutions on how to make that better, and kind of tailoring it to whatever problem exists at hand. So yeah, for each one, we kind of replicate that process of really giving the candidate an opportunity to dive in with someone on the team and, and show us what they can do. That's very cool. And I remember when we were uh, still in the offices, you know, you talked about having the candidate do that sort of block or number of interviews back to back. And when we were back in the offices, I remember some of those would be sort of lunch with the team or opportunities to sort of have casual chats with members of the team that they'd be working with just to see how they get along and get a sense of how they perhaps might collaborate with different disciplines. How were we able to translate that in this sort of digital by default mode that Shopify is in right now, meaning that we're all remote and we really are not planning to go back to the offices anytime soon. So to what extent are we able to sort of have this casual lunch style conversations with members of the team baked into the interview process to still sort of maintain that ability to see again, as you said, both ways, what the, the fit is and how people might get along. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Arguably, that's even more important now in the mm -hmm. in the kind of world that we're operating in. So yeah, so whenever we can, we try to still keep that as an interview that we have in our process. And I should say less of an interview, more just like a conversation that we set up. So the really cool thing about being digital by default now is that we don't have to schedule all of these interviews back to back on one day if that's not the right thing for the candidate. So everyone has all their different things going on right now. Life is, is getting in the way in a ton of different ways. So we have the opportunity to say, can you give us a couple of days and a couple of hours over those days where, where you can have the opportunity to meet our team? So it allows a lot more flexibility, both on our end and the candidate's end, to be giving us times that, that work best for them in order to meet us. And then we are, for every discipline, looking to give that person an opportunity to meet the people who they'd be working most closely with. So whether it's their R&D trifecta, if they're at the leadership level, really pulling in product and pulling in engineering to say, these are the people you're going to be working really closely with. Do you like them? Do you think that you could have a great relationship kind of working with them and working on this product together? And for our individual contributors, just more folks on the team. So pulling in product designers, content designers, 
researchers or UX managers that they'd be working really closely with to be having those kind of just more casual conversations. Going back to uh, the life story interview that you mentioned a little bit before. So some of the things that you talked about in this interview is, you know, looking for these almost intangible aspects of a person and their career. On the surface, there's potential for an interview like that to be perceived as something that's very subjective. So what do you, what do you and your team do in order to ensure that you're removing bias from the process and kind of taking into account the diverse experiences that people might have had during their career paths and up until that point that they interview with us? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so really the goal of the interview is to kind of take away any preconceived notions that a candidate needs to have a specific type of experience to be successful with us. So we don't even, for example, look for specific schooling that someone might have. You could not have any kind of degree or formal education in design or, or research and be and be completely self-taught. And what that opportunity, what that interview allows us the opportunity to do is learn all about how you develop the skills that that you have and all of the di- of the different ways that you could have done that. So the point of it also is to not be what's the word that I'm I'm looking for invasive in any way. We don't want anyone who feels we're saying like tell us everything about your life and you're in an interview and to make someone feel uncomfortable. We really just set it up to say I could look in your at your LinkedIn and see where where you've been and kind of what you've done in your career but I really want to get an understanding of the why and how you got to where you are today and why you do what you do and and what you love about it. So we really just go in again, not looking for any specific answers, not looking to check things off a checklist and really just allowing the candidate to, to pick a time in their life that they'd like to start that they think makes the most sense for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's totally in their hands. And then kind of walking us through chronologically the things that they find most important that that tell their story and that kind of explain their experience to us. So really about kind of going in with an, with an open mind and with a clean slate and, and letting that person tell you all about the experience that they have. And we've pinpointed specific things that we think make people successful here at Shopify. And what we're looking to do is get, to get a sense of have they demonstrated that in their in their past roles, really with the idea that past uh, behavior can predict kind of future performance of success. Are there any sort of attributes or types of experiences that really make a candidate stand out as part of this interviewing process, whether it's through the life story or maybe uh, any of the subsequent interviews? Yeah, I mean, even if you take it all the way back to their application, something that always really stands out to me and, and might be surprising to hear is when people tailor their application and make it specific to Shopify, right away it stands out. And you might think that that kind of happens all the time, but it really doesn't. And you can tell right away when someone has just fired off the same cover letter and resume to, to 20 different companies and it just kind of says, I'd love to work at your company. And that just kind of falls in the sea of the the many applicants that we're able to get. So we're truly curious to understand why you want to work here. And we don't want to hear the answer that you think that we want to hear. There's no right answer to that question. But if someone either through our interviews or even kind of through their application can tell us why they're genuinely curious about working here, why they want to spend most of their time during the day with the company and how our mission to make commerce better for everyone really resonates with them. That's something that can take 
a mediocre interview kind of across the line to say, wow, this person's genuinely curious and like, let's see what else they have to offer. So that's one of the ones that that really stands out for me. Another one in an interview is really just having really interesting questions. This is the time when someone can figure out whether this is the opportunity that they want to have. So I'm always really surprised when, when someone doesn't have any questions about what it's like to work here. And I think spending the time to think of some things that you're genuinely curious in, curious about and getting the opportunity to ask someone who, who works at that company for the answers to those questions is, is usually also something that I find really kind of can push someone across the, the finish line. I'm actually curious about this as someone who also interviews people. What's the appropriate amount of time to devote to questions? Because I mean, like you said, it's a bit of a two-way street. We're mm-hmm. assess the candidate, but of course the candidate is trying to assess us as well. And we want to be really careful in providing them with, you know, like a positive experience throughout the interview. So, you know, what is what is the right proportion there? I feel like it's something that we often sort of relegate to the end if we have time, but we should probably treat it with a bit more diligence. So what are your thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know if there's one definitive answer that can kind of be applied to, to every interview or every candidate. I think it depends on the person. I would say at least 10 minutes. So Again, as you mentioned, usually that kind of happens at the end. So I always try to kind of wrap things up with what I'm looking to get out of the interview by at least 10 minutes before, if not even preferably kind of 15 minutes before the end, and then can throw it over to to the candidate to say, what is it that you want to know? At times, I even experiment with doing that at the beginning of the call, especially if it's someone that I've reached out to, I can kind of give them my blurb and, and spiel about what I'm looking to to get out of the conversation and then immediately kind of throw throw the mic over to them and say, what questions can I answer for you right off the bat? And so you can make sure that they don't just feel as though you're kind of peppering them with questions right right from the beginning. But yeah, I'm curious to get to get your take on that too, as as you mentioned, someone who also does quite a few interviews. Yeah, I mean, I usually leave like 10 minutes at the end, but sometimes depending on the candidate, it feels like it's not enough. And again, there's a balance between, you know, I want to make sure that I'm giving them, like I'm giving them the fairest shot at this interview and giving them the space to express everything that they need to express and make sure that they they need to get across. But at the same time, also want to address any of their concerns. So there's times in the past where if I felt that there wasn't enough time for questions at the end, I would give folks my email and say, let's follow up by email if you have any additional questions. And some people actually do. And that's a really nice way to sort of like go back and forth and have a bit more time to sort of flesh out some of, you know, my answers about the questions that they have. Uh, But yeah, Yeah. it's definitely a bit tricky to make sure that you get in all the information, which again, seems like it's self-serving, but really it's because I want to give the candidate the best opportunity to really communicate everything that they want to communicate in the interview and not, Mm -hmm. yeah, shortchange them that way. Yeah, Um, definitely. Yeah, you know, we talked a little bit about some of the attributes uh, that uh, you look for. I'm curious to flip that a little bit. So what are some things that you might see in an application or that might come across in the life story interview, which again, seems like it's a very personal type of interview. What are some things that really stand out to you as red flags where you're sort of like, this is perhaps not, you know, a good fit or like an interview process that we want to move forward with? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Something that comes to me kind of right off the bat is the way that we work at Shopify 
obviously, as you know, is, is incredibly collaborative, uh, both within UX, cross-functionally across our UX disciplines, and then also as we're working on these cross-functional product groups with engineers and with product managers. And so when people, quite often someone might not have had that same experience getting the opportunity to work with other disciplines, and that's definitely not kind of a red flag against them. Some companies just aren't set up in the same way. And someone might not have had that chance. But I would say, if that's the case, we're really looking for interest in changing that up. So someone who's genuinely interested in working with engineers and working with product from the beginning of the development lifecycle to kind of be understanding how those three disciplines are going to build the best product to get together and having that kind of back and forth. I would say someone who is really just interested in kind of throwing their work over the fence to engineering and then kind of being done with it and, and not looking for that back and forth of that iteration or that collaboration typically isn't really going to be successful here. And so then we we kind of see that as a, as a red flag and a, a chance not to move forward. I would say, so that's a really big one, interest in working with others and being really excited to do that. Something that is very kind of typical to Shopify is there's not a blueprint for how to do your role. And when you start with us, at times it can be a lot of, okay, I need you to do this thing. Oh, and by the way, I need you to figure out how to do it so that you can. And so there's a lot of kind of onus on each person to really be taking what they've been given and, and running with it and figuring it out and not just kind of following a, a prescribed plan because we often don't have that for everything that we're doing. We're figuring it out as we go or, or we're doing things for the first time and, and we're, we're trying to figure out the best way to do it. So someone who's really eager to kind of figure out those things and work in that type of way is really critical. And if we can tell that that's really not the way that someone enjoys working. That's another kind of sense that it's probably not going to be an opportunity. That's the best decision for them. Mm-hmm. And going back to, you know, giving candidates the opportunities to ask questions, what are some of the top questions or the most common questions that you end up getting during your interviews? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the things that the Shopify is most known for, I would say, especially in, in Canada, where we have very strong brand awareness, was our offices and how strong our in-office culture really was. And so now we're getting a lot of questions around, okay, what does that look like now that you're remote and now that you're not going to be returning to an office? And and how is that culture kind of being continuously developed and and tailored now to, to digital first? And the answer is quite honestly, just like everyone else right now, we're figuring it out as we go. But it's still something that across the company, people care deeply about. And so the amount of resources that have been created to support the team right now has been almost overwhelming. There's almost too many, but really there's culinary at home where we're learning about how to cook for ourselves now. And there's numerous kind of physical and mental wellness resources and tips and communities. There's strategies for inclusive remote meetings and there's tips for asynchronous communication. So we know that this isn't the ideal state. We're still living in a global pandemic and we're coping with everything that comes with that. But as a company, we're really looking to support each other right now, get through things kind of the best that we can. And then there's still the the light at the end of the tunnel, which is (laughs) once this is all over, and we can meet up with each other and, and get together again. 
we have teams of people across the company putting a lot of time and effort into figuring out what that looks like. So there, there is and there will be, there will continue to be just as much effort into building that digital first culture and community as there, as there always has been. Mm-hmm. That's great. I'm going to ask you this and like, maybe you might not be able to think of anything off the top of your head, but if you can, right. I'd love to hear it. So you talked about what are some of the common questions that you hear? What are some of the more interesting questions that you hear? Like, what are some more unusual, but sort of questions that really got you thinking or that sort of really made you appreciate that a candidate asked them? That is a really good question. I'm trying to think of, recently I felt like I had a really interesting one. I'm going to cheat a little bit here because this question actually doesn't have to do with hiring for a UX team. But recently I was, I was involved with hiring for our talent acquisition team. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was chatting with someone and they asked me a question that I've never been asked before. And I found it really interesting. And they said, throughout your hiring process, you're, you're working with different people. You're working with recruiters. There are the talent sourcers that, that go out and find us great talent mm-hmm. in the market. There are coordinators who really help us with all of our logistics and scheduling. And he said, what, as you're going through your process, are your bottlenecks? Mm-hmm. What slows you down and what makes recruitment process-wise, really hard. And I just found that really interesting. No one's no one's really asked me that before. And so that was a really interesting opportunity to kind of think back to the work that we do and how we do it and what, what slows us down and what we can do to kind of speed that up. So I thought that was really interesting. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I think one of the most interesting questions was actually that I was asked was earlier this year, and it seems so obvious in retrospect, and I was kind of surprised that no one had ever asked me this before. Uh, but yeah. again, it was like, what's something that you're working on right now that you're really excited about? And it just really struck me, like, the amount of valuable information that the candidate would be able to get out of the answer to a question like that. Because not mm-hmm. only, it caught me by surprise, and there was no way for me to sort of, you know, give some sort of prefabricated answer to it, but it also gave them a sense of, you know, a, a real look into what the day-to-day of someone who's working in the role looks like, what are some of the challenges that I was going through. So I, and I got to talk to them about a project that I was working on at the time, got a little bit into like what made it exciting for me, what was hard about it, what made it needy. And I think that that was probably the closest I'd gotten into an interview to really giving someone else a sense of what it's like to be a researcher at Shopify and what are some mm-hmm. of the things that I might work on and get and find exciting, but also gives them a sense of like, what are some of the things that we prioritize as a team? What are the types of projects that we would choose to work on, considering that there's probably a million different things that we could be doing at any given time. So really got me thinking about like, that was a good question. So yeah. Yeah. That's so funny because we you spend the entire time in an interview asking the candidate about what they work on, mm-hmm. and uh, it never seems like an option to kind of throw it back on the interviewer. So I really like that. That's really cool. Something else that that I hear a lot, and I'm I'm curious to get your take on, is someone asked me the other day. So your UXers are embedded onto these product teams. How do they stay connected to each other, and and what does that kind of UX community look like? And I'm curious to get your kind of insiders take on what that looks like day to day because as someone not on the UX team it looks so fun like it looks like being part of that UX community of really smart really talented people looks like one of the best parts in in working at UX and Shopify. Yeah I think uh, UX has been interesting I mean I don't know maybe I'm biased because I've always been part of this (laughs) uh, but I feel like 
I know, but you know what? I used to I used to get this feedback from a lot of my friends in engineering as well. We were the first discipline, for example, to have our very own summit, which was you know UX summit. We started doing that I think in 2015 was our first one, and I remember my friends in engineering, you know, going up to our CTO and being like, "Why don't we have engineering summit? How can we get to do this?" And then at a certain point, I started sort of being part of the group that put together the event, and I was in charge of deciding, inviting people, essentially, making sure that everyone from UX was invited, but also extending invitations to uh, folks who weren't from UX that we felt would be valuable to have there. And it became kind of a really coveted thing. Like I had, <laughs> you know, from engineering and product trying to bribe me to see if they could get tickets to UX Summit. So it's one small thing, but I think that from the very beginning, we've always um, tried to figure out ways that we can come as a community and then uh, within the different UX disciplines. So between research, content design, product designs, each of those have their own, you know, smaller communities as well, where people work together to share, you know, their skills, uh, the knowledge about craft, maintain the bar. Research in particular is a really interesting one because I, I started out and there was five of us on the team, some core researchers and a director. And I watched the team grow to over 60 researchers and at any given point could tell you the names of every single person on the team, <laughs> what they worked on, even though some people I had barely even spoken with, but it's because we kept these communication channels open. We had show and tells. We uh, would post weekly updates about what we were working on. We were always looking for ways to you know, collaborate if there were people who were working on similar questions. That was always a really, really good opportunities that people would look for. But I think recently as well, uh, with the addition of our UX ops teams, that's really served, that's sort of this, an additional, I guess, like, glue for a lack of a better word. I mean, I, I think they do so much more than that, but to have a team um, who's centralized and who's one of their mandates is to figure out how to help the entire UX team operate at an even higher level than they're operating on. And so that involves a lot of how to bring the community together, even now that we're remote, how to figure out ways that we can learn from each other, come together, have fun events, you know, have our all hands, have ways to learn from each other as well as from additional sources. So I think that We've, we've always put in sort of a very like conscious effort to mm -hmm. make that connection across uh, the UX team. Even now, I think we're, I think I want to say over 400 people. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So we talked a little bit about, you know, the interviewing process. I think we were inherently talking, we're implicitly talking a little bit about the IC process. I'm curious to hear from you, what does it look like when it comes to leadership roles? So when you're interviewing folks who are coming in at a senior leader, manager level or director level, what aspects of that process might look different uh, than when we're interviewing for uh, folks who are coming in in individual contributor roles? Yeah, so the overall structure of the process looks the same. Uh, so we still have kind of those three different stages and I would say what changes when you get to the leadership level is probably the amount of interviews. So we definitely add a couple because we're looking to assess not only craft, but kind of really getting into those leadership skills as well. And then what we're looking for out of each interview obviously changes. So one of the interviews that we add in at the leadership level is what we call a management problem solving. And really, this is kind of the equivalent of those case study interviews that we were talking about, where the interviewer has three different themes of questions that they're looking to talk about. And those are really across 
team composition and leadership strategy and execution. And so they'll kind of walk the candidate through behavioral based questions on tell me when, tell me about a time when you worked with your, your stakeholders to prioritize projects or when something was going off the rails, potentially kill a project and, and really getting the candidate to, to tell them about opportunities throughout their leadership career, that they've had these different experiences so that we can understand kind of what they have experience with and where they can kind of bring strengths into Shopify across mm-hmm. those three main areas. And so for us, our, all of our leadership roles are, are very much player coach roles. So they're definitely not only people management opportunities. And so we still have the same craft interviews, even up to our director level, because we really want to be making sure that the, that the people we're bringing in have a really strong opinion about what the user experience of a, of a specific problem area should look like. And they're able to still get really into the weeds of the work, probably not doing the research or designing the thing themselves anymore, but kind of with the idea that if they had to, they, they could. And so really kind of being right there in the weeds with their team and, and figuring out what that strategy is going to look like. So yeah, those are some of the differences in what it looks like. And so you mentioned earlier as well, uh, one of the big things that you look for when you're interviewing people, particularly in the life story stage, is to understand why they want to work at Shopify or why they're excited about interviewing with us. What are some of the most common reasons that people tell you they're interested in working at Shopify? What are they looking for and why does working here excite them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I would say something that makes my job a whole lot easier is Shopify UX is is really highly regarded in the industry. So that makes things really easy. I shouldn't say really easy. It's definitely not. But definitely Shopify having this really great kind of brand awareness for our UX organization really makes it really interesting to hear about why candidates are, are interested in joining. So people are often saying things like, it's clear that Shopify really cares about user experience. And I want to work somewhere that that really puts that value into the discipline and puts UX at the table with engineering and with product because in a lot of places still it isn't. And, and people are having to constantly push to have UX really heard as that strategic voice, which we're really lucky enough to have exist here. So we hear a lot about kind of people's interest in in our UX organization. People bring up our design system, Polaris, very often. Something that I hear a lot of is, oh yeah, as we were designing our own design system, we often kind of reference back to Mm -hmm. Polaris to figure out how to do it and how to do it right. So that's very cool. That's definitely something that I know that we hold very proudly. And it's great to hear that candidates are using that as their own kind of North Star for how they should be designing their their systems. So I would say those are two kind of main reasons. Another one that we hear quite a bit is really just the opportunity to have a direct impact on our merchants through their work. And so the experiences that our UXers are creating are helping some of the world's largest businesses manage enormous complexity and do the work that they need to do on a global scale. And at the same time, giving the most inexperienced entrepreneur the best chance to really successfully create and and start a business from scratch. And so that work is really meaningful, especially these days when a lot of people are are turning to entrepreneurship and and really looking to become successful during COVID. I think it's something that just really speaks to what people want to be spending their time doing every day. Mm -hmm. That's very cool. 
And, you know, now that we've gone remote, and I think a lot of other companies in the world have as well, that it's uh, a little bit less of a challenge to sell folks on whether they also want to move to, to Canada and perhaps <laughs> more particularly to work for Shopify. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, in, in a way, it opens up a lot of different markets for us, but it also puts us in competition with a lot of other companies who are doing the same thing. So how are you approaching that challenge? In what ways does Shopify stand out compared to some of the other uh, big tech players who are also now, you know, benefiting from the opportunity to recruit all over the world? I'm curious, how, how has that changed uh, and what kind of challenges that, that does that present? Yeah, that's definitely, I would say probably the biggest challenge now that our, mm-hmm. that our recruitment team is facing because there are a lot of great companies to work for and how do we kind of stand up next to them and, and really have people want to come and work here? And I think one of them is is just what I was talking about. Like it's it's an it's an opportunity to have a really meaningful impact in a positive way on people's lives and their careers and their livelihoods is something that is extremely important and, and critical to people. So really being able to provide people with an opportunity to be as successful as an entrepreneur or some of those major businesses, really just the chance to, to succeed, I think, or appealing to, to what people want to spend their time on. Yeah, with everything else, like it's a pretty big challenge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're figuring it out. I think it's it's been an interesting ride for the last year or so as we, you know, have adjusted to all of these different things. But I think it's exciting that we can reach people all over the world now that yeah, a mm-hmm. good challenge for us to think about as well. What is what that means and why do we or how do we become, you know, still a desirable employer uh, for people all over the world, given that they can go anywhere? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So we often talk at Shopify about this idea that there are no swim lanes or that you're not limited uh, to your job description or your title or your team, but are able to sort of roll up your sleeve and take ownership um, of problems that you see that need solving across the organization. Um, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that and maybe if there's anything else that stands out to you as being unique in that sense as well uh, about the culture of working at Shopify. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the things that stands out most to me is your career is really in your, your own hands to kind of shape it in the way that you're most interested in. And so we often say at Shopify that we look at growth less as a ladder and, and more as a jungle gym. Mm-hmm. And so there are more than enough tough problems to go around that haven't been figured out yet. And so if you find something that you think is really interesting and that you want to tackle, it's very much a culture of, cool, go do that thing. Let us know how it went. If it went well, fantastic. Now now we know that. Now we can kind of charge down that route. If everything went to shit, like, great. Now we know that that doesn't work. So you really have the opportunity to, to own your own adventure and you craft your career into the places that you're really interested in, in taking it. And I think that's something truly unique about the company. So as something that we haven't talked about yet is as an individual contributor at Shopify, you have a couple of different opportunities with what you want to do next along your path down leadership. So you can go down the path of being an individual contributor uh, and really continuing to focus on your craft. So these would be like our staff or our principal UXers. 
and people on this path are really focused on that craft quality leadership and they're energized by working on really complex and high impact problems. The second path you can kind of go down is our craft management path. And so these would be like our content design managers or our product design managers. And these people are really focused on defining excellence in their craft, as well as ensuring its growth within their product area. So they both kind of care about craft like our IC leaders would, but they're also have people management and kind of team responsibilities as well. And then the third path that we have would be our UX management path. So someone from any of our UX disciplines can go down this route. And these would be our UX managers, our senior UX managers, and our UX directors. And these folks are usually the member of the R&D trifecta for that team. So they're working closely with an engineering leader and a product leader to be influencing and, and making decisions about our product roadmaps. So the most interesting part to me about that kind of three-pronged opportunity is you're not stuck going down the path that you choose. So mm -hmm. you might get a people management role and, and go down that path for a few years and then decide at that time that it's really important to you to be focusing on, on your craft. And so you can transition into an individual contributor role mm -hmm. uh, and kind of take your career down that way for a bit and then maybe switch back eventually. And so you can truly move kind of sideways, upwards, diagonally, depending on how you want to grow your skills and the direction that you want to take your career. That's great. Well, thanks so much for sharing all of this with me, Holly. I have just one last question for you before we wrap up, and that is sure. cover letters, yay or nay? I like them. It's not a hard requirement to submit one when, when you apply to Shopify. To me, it kind of showcases a couple of things. First, that you are willing to spend the time to tell us a little bit about yourself. So again, that comes right back into an opportunity to show us why Shopify, because that's probably not going to be written anywhere on your resume. Why are you interested? Why do you want to have a conversation with us? And why should we want to have a conversation with you? And also an opportunity, if you don't necessarily have that traditional career path to date, to tell us about it and, and tell us how you've developed your skills. So I really enjoy reading them for UX application a human reads every single application so someone is is truly looking at it and if you spend the time to write it someone will read it so up to you but it's something that I like that's great to hear and it's good to hear that confirmation because I think one of the biggest sort of eternal debates on the internet about applying for jobs is whether people bother reading the cover letter or not and I've heard opinions mm -hmm. on both sides you know definitely write them then that, that, uh, that works not in your advantage. Uh, if you do write them, nobody's reading them. Some people are like, I read every single one. So it's good to hear straight from you confirmation. You do read the cover letters, which is good to know. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much again, Holly. It was great chatting with you and learning uh, about your role in recruitment and particularly recruitment uh, with UX at Shopify. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been great. All right. See ya. Bye.